And I just remember in that moment, it kind of hit me between the eyes, as they say. I had this thought, am I really that delicate? I can't imagine that in order for me to become functional and relatively pain-free for the rest of my life, I'm going to have to be this hyper aware of every every vertebral body being lined up in a certain way. And I, I just had a, this moment where I'm like, I can't imagine that this is true. Welcome to the Over 50 Health and Wellness Show. I'm your host, Kevin English. I'm the founder of The Silver Edge, and our mission is to help you build and maintain a lean, healthy body that you love for the rest of your life, so you can show up in the second half of your life as the healthiest, strongest, most vital version of yourself. But before we jump into today's episode, I want to ask you to do me a huge favor. Would you take one minute and give this show a five-star review, especially those of you that are listening on Apple Podcasts? This helps us rank higher, which means more people can find us. But the real reason I'm asking is that the guests I invite on this show often check to see how many ratings and reviews we have to help them determine if this podcast is legit or not. Okay, without further ado, let's get on with today's show. My guest today is Patty Woodworth Norris. Patty has not only dedicated a quarter of a century to understanding the intricate dance between our minds and bodies, but has also walked the challenging path of personal healing. Patty brings to our show today a unique blend of professional expertise and personal experience. From the depths of anxiety, depression, and chronic pain, she discovered transformative healing modalities that changed her life forever. Today, we'll explore the profound effects of the mind-body connection and how repressed emotional issues can manifest physically. And on top of that, we'll hear Patty's own inspiring journey of rediscovery, resilience, and renewal. So whether you're dealing with chronic pain, seeking answers to midlife challenges, or simply curious about the incredible power of the mind-body connection, this episode promises to be both enlightening and empowering. I started our conversation today by asking Patty how she got interested in this subject. My health journey, I call it my hitting the wall moment, was about maybe a little over 10 years ago, Kevin. And in hindsight, I realized that I was building to this moment for many years. But my brother was in a car accident and it was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. And I went from being sort of relatively okay, or I felt like I was, you know, experiencing sort of the typical things that you associate with aging, a little bit of some pain. And, you know, I was tired and I was, my mood wasn't always very good, but, you know, oh, well, I guess this is just part of it. Anyway, my brother was in this car accident and I went into, I need to fix this mode, which was my thing. I'm a recovered, it's my job to fix everything person. Mm, okay. recovering. <laughs> and the next day after his accident, I woke up and it felt as if I, I don't know, I'd fell, fallen into this huge hole. My, this incredibly strong sense of anxiety overwhelmed me like nothing I'd ever experienced before. 
And over the next few days that sunk into this really heavy depressive episode, which I had also never experienced before. And the backstory to all that was that I had been building a chronic pain pattern in my life for probably the better part of eight to 10 years before this. So that turned on in an even more significant way and just, it didn't turn off because up until that point, it was an on again, off again situation. And now it was just on and stuck on. So yeah, I call it the trifecta, Kevin. I had the anxiety, the depression, and the chronic pain. And it was just sort of, I felt like it was just sort of, I slammed into a wall. Okay. So a few things that are really interesting that jump out Mm -hmm. there. You talked about, you started by saying, hey, my hitting the wall Mm -hmm. moment. And then immediately you said, well, I did hit a wall, but I had Mm -hmm. been building up to this, in fact. And you you were building this chronic pain pattern, I think. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was doing. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That jumped out at me. What what do you mean when you say I was building a chronic pain pattern? Well, so I didn't understand that at the time, Kevin, but I do now because the last basically Mm -hmm. decade of my life has been learning to understand how this works. I, my backstory with the chronic pain was uh, in my early thirties, I had two very young children. I had a job. I had a husband. I had a whole stable full of animals, literally that I was looking after. I had a lot of balls in the air and I went into my barn one day and lifted a bag of horse feed, which I had done hundreds of times before in my life. And I felt this popping sensation in my back and it was pretty intense So I kind of, oh, I strained my back. I mean, the other part of my backstory is that I'm also, I have been a registered massage therapist for the better part of 30 years. So I, you know, I have an understanding of body mechanics and all that. So I went to a chiropractor. She snapped me, got better. And I didn't really think a whole lot more of it. But what transpired after that was every so often over the, you know, well, up until fairly recently, actually, it would just go out as they say. Hmm. Right. And sometimes it it didn't seem like there was really any catalyst for it. I just reached down to pick up a ball to throw for my dog and boom, like like the reaction, the sense, the intensity of that sensation was completely disproportionate to the action. So what I understand now, Kevin, is that in the, in the moment that that during a very highly charged, stressful period of my life where I was trying to do a lot of things in a lot of ways for a lot of people, I had that experience of my back going out and then I became protective of it, right? I developed the neural pathways between my brain and that part of my body to say, okay, we there's been a problem here. So we need to be aware of that and be protective of it, Right. So I was laying this very firm foundation, this neural patterning for experiencing pain in that part of my body. And then whenever any sort of stressful event came along or the the scale just tipped a little bit, bit too far in the direction of me being overwhelmed or fatigued, boom, it would show up again. Yeah. And it just got to a point where I was always, and I didn't realize that at the time, but I realize now I was always looking for it. Right. I was always waiting for it. I was always running interference on it. So as they say, you know, what you look for, you will find. So I got very good at producing it. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Lots, <laughs> lots of juicy stuff in there. So you, yeah, I think most of our listeners can relate to, hey, I went to 
pick something up that I've done many times mm-hmm. and pow, yeah. snap, bang, crack, right. whatever, right? And there, there's that, there's that acute pain. And, yes. <clears throat> but then when that leads to, like you said, my back would just quote unquote go right. out and you develop these protective patterns. Mm-hmm. I think you'd even said, Hey, uh, you know, the pain would be disproportionate to the movement. Absolutely. Picking up a yes. ball. And I've even heard that one of the most common injuries on a golf course is back injuries. And it doesn't occur during what you would, where you would assume maybe that really in right. the swing rotational yeah. movement. It's when, it's when golfers yes. are bending over and picking up yes. balls. Uh, or picking really or pulling up your socks. Statistic. That's the other one you hear all the time. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so, when you talk about developing these protective patterns, does that just mean, obviously you're very hyper aware. You mentioned I'm kind of looking mm-hmm. for it. So do you stop doing yes. things? I mean, how does this affect your life and day to day? Yeah, for for me, um, and I mean, I think for a lot of people, I've spent a lot of time educating myself on this topic. But for me, what it looked like was over a period of time, I became, uh, my life just kept getting smaller and smaller because it, you know, prior to that, I'd been intensely physically active. I ran, I had a number of horses that I was showing in equestrian activities actively with all of the labor that was associated with that moving hay, (laughs) cleaning stalls. Like it was very, I had an incredibly physically active lifestyle and over a period of time, it just kept getting smaller and smaller, right? Because, oh, I can't do that because that might hurt my back or, yeah, I just went from being this very intense, moving all the time kind of lifestyle to when I was at my worst, Kevin, walking up a flight of stairs was almost more than I could manage. Like I went from being very vital and active to almost feeling disabled without really any mechanism of obvious severe injury right. that precipitated it. Right. right. And now where, where was this in your life? Was this in your thirties, forties? You mentioned in your thirties, you were kind of moving in. And how long did you go from, Hey, I tweaked my back mm-hmm. that first time to I'm now living kind of in this chronic pain. State. I would, it was in my early thirties when I hurt, hurt my back. I now understand that differently, but, and it was, I would say I, I really was at my worst with it. I hit kind of hit the wall with that pain in my mid forties. So it was about a 12 year, 13 year process. Mm to get from lifting the bag of feed to, oh, I can't barely walk up a flight of stairs. Yeah. Okay. So 12 to 13 Mm -hmm. years of just this condition progressing, let's just say, right? Okay. So talk to us then from that point where you're, we're now living in this state of chronic Mm -hmm. pain, constant chronic pain, and your life has gotten smaller, as you said, how do you get from there to where you are today? Yeah, well, so I did all the usual things, Kevin, right? I mean, I went to my doctor. At that at that time, I was also going through some hormonal shifts that happened for women in their early 40s. So that sure. was a variable. I was very, for whatever reason, I have a bit of a stubborn streak and I was very resistant to the idea of using meds in an ongoing way. So I wasn't really kind of willing to go down that road. But I saw the physical therapist. I, I am a massage therapist. You know, I had massage. I went to the chiropractor. I saw the osteopath. I saw a kinesiologist who was helping me to break down my posture and my movement patterns. And it, it, was, it was actually, there was a, there was a watershed moment when I was seeing the kinesiologist, because she was one of the last sort of practitioners that I went to, to try and problem solve this out. And she, you know, she did this analysis of my posture and 
where my pelvis sat and everything that was in relation to what I was experiencing in my back. And she had a, this moment where she said, you know, this and that, and the other thing are this much out of whack and this many degrees. And, you know, it got very, very fussy. And I just remember in that moment, it kind of hit me between the eyes, as they say, I had this thought, am I really that delicate? I can't imagine that in order for me to become functional and relatively pain-free for the rest of my life, I'm going to have to be this hyper aware of every, <laughs> every vertebral body being lined up in a certain way. And I, I just had a, this moment where I'm like, I can't imagine that this is true. You know, it was, it was such an interesting moment. Shortly thereafter, I stumbled, you know, the universe sometimes gives you what you need. I was looking around on the internet as we often do. And I came across right. a book called Healing Back Pain, which was written by Dr. John, John Sarno. And Dr. Sarno, he, he died a couple of years ago at the age of 94 or something. He had a really long, robust life, but he ran the Rusk Institute at the New York University Medical Centers. He ran the rehab clinic there. So give you the Coles Notes version of his story, because it's a huge part of my story. He had been working there for about seven or eight years, if I remember the story correctly, you know, working with a lot of people with chronic pain. And what he noticed was that a lot of these folks would get symptomatic relief using the typical things that people use, physical therapies, cortisone injections, anti-inflammatories, that sort of thing. But a lot of them, you know, they weren't, it wasn't long lasting, meaningful resolution of their symptoms. They'd always come back. Right. And I think he just kind of got to a point where he said, you know, I don't want to spend the rest of my professional career feeling like I'm not accomplishing what I'm setting out to do. So the story is that he went back and pulled the thousands of files of the people that he'd worked with during that period of time that didn't get any meaningful resolution to their symptoms. And he was looking for common threads. What are the consistent things about these folks? He was looking for personality characteristics. He was looking for any history of unresolved childhood trauma. He was looking for anything really that would look, start to paint a picture. And out of that, he developed a diagnosis he called TMS, which stood for tension myositis syndrome. So I'm reading this book, Kevin, on a plane. We're taking our two teenage sons on vacation for March break. And it was about a four hour read. This is not a long, you know, slog, but I was just utterly gobsmacked by what I was reading because it was as if he had written the book about me. Like, oh my God, this guy wrote this book about me. So the personality characteristics of people that are prone to that sort of, sort of mind body, that's really what we're talking about, right? Um, manifestation is they tend to be very sensitive. They tend to be people pleasing. They tend to have a strong work ethic. There's often a, what he, he he coined the term goodest, which essentially means there's somebody that always wants to be a good person, even if it's at their own expense, right? Strong social conscience, try, a fixer, someone that's always trying to fix everything. They tend to be sometimes workaholics. So, he, you know, he painted this picture of all the sort of personality characteristics that someone tends to present with. And I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. A lot of those ticked, those boxes were ticked <laughs> for me when I was reading right. about this. So that, and you know, often also some measure of trauma from childhood that never really got resolved. 
right? And trauma is such a hot topic right now. There's so many different ways you, we can understand it. You know, trauma doesn't have to be just your big T stuff. It can be yeah. an accumulation of smaller T traumas that end up having the same cumulative effect on the nervous system as big ones, which I can definitely relate to. I didn't have a horrific childhood, but definitely had some experiences that I don't think ever really got processed or moved through my system. So all of that, his theory was that it basically causes the brain, the nervous system and the brain to become overwhelmed. And rather than, you know, basically <laughs> the brain interprets those emotional, those strong emotional things that are happening that we've repressed and shoved down a bit like a volcano that's getting ready to explode as being a greater threat to our existence and to our survival than a pain episode would be. So Sarno's original theory was that it basically acted as a distraction from our emotional state. You mean the yeah. pain acted as a distraction right. from the emotional right. state? Interesting. Right, okay. because yeah. if, if I'm having significant pain in my body, then that's gonna, I'm going to be focused on that, right? I'm not going to be thinking about all of the emotional things that might, or the mental distresses I'm feeling around the circumstances in my life. If I can't walk across the room, cause I'm in so much pain, it keeps us solely focused on those sensations. This was his theory. So the mechanism of that at that time, he proposed that it was what happened was the brain would cause a mild ischemia, which basically just means a decrease in blood flow to the area of the body that was having the pain. Since then, there have obviously been dozens <laughs> of skilled healthcare practitioners that have taken this ball and continued to run it down the field. And we now understand that maybe that wasn't the exact mechanism of how it worked. But the good news is it doesn't, we don't really need to fully understand the exact mechanism of how it works because the approach to healing it is essentially the same. But this was Dr. Sarno's theory. So I read through this book, Kevin, and I was just like, okay, so all the evidence based on his theory would point to the fact that this is what I'm experiencing. Mm -hmm. So then he then proposed, this is how we get out of it. First of all, you learn that this is actually the process. You're actually okay, but your body is expressing what you haven't been able to emotionally express. The volcanoes build up to a point where it's getting ready to blow. So we learn how it works. That's step one. You know, gain that intellectual conscious understanding of that this is what's actually happening for you. The second thing that he proposed was stop all physical treatments. Which, you know, for me as a massage, yeah. massage therapist who've been very conditioned to think that there's always a biomechanical reason to have these pain issues was a little bit of a mind melt for me to wrap my head around that. But the rationale for that actually makes a lot of sense because if I'm running off to the osteopath or the chiropractor or the massage therapist and getting adjustments aimed at fixing myself, then the message I'm sending to my subconscious is that I'm broken, that there's actually something wrong. So you have to stop all of that. And then the, the next step was, so yeah, learn how it works. Stop all physical treatments, get on with living your life. 
Yeah. Okay. This listen, his approach was very much like baptism by fire. <laughs> right? Like yeah. yeah, it was it was not a gentle approach in in that sense, but once again, what what message are you sending to your subconscious when you go out and you start living your life again? Well, that I'm actually okay. And then the fourth thing that he talked about was there there will be some his belief was that there's going to be a small segment of the population that it's going to need to do some emotional discovery to help let that volcano let off a bit of steam a little bit at a time and bring the nervous system into a better state. Because pain is a function of your sympathetic nervous system, the fight flight part of your nervous system. So if you are constantly in a fight flight nervous system state, then you are ripe to have pain. Right. You can't really have one without the other. So that I think that was the rationale for some people, a little bit of expressive writing done in a very particular way or some unpacking with a therapist or a coach of someone of that nature would be the the other part of the process. And in my experience, that is a necessary part of the process for most people. I think, you know, I don't know that that part of it not saying that he wasn't right, but I think that most people would benefit from some little bit of emotional discovery because there's a lot of us walking around that don't really know. We don't know what we've got beating around inside of us and we don't understand the impact it's having on us. So yeah, our our baseline is our baseline, right? And until we've experienced something different, we don't know. So that that's well said. Yeah. So Patty, it sounds like then what you're saying is this chronic pain mm. really it's emotional pain being manifest in your body is that right? uh, yeah is that, that's a that would be a beautiful a way to way yes it. yeah it's your body expressing physically what you're not able yeah. to express emotionally that is the theory yes and yeah gotcha. and for me kevin this ended up being 100 percent true <laughs> okay so the next part of my process was i did a lot of a lot of reading a lot of understanding because I think my mm-hmm. brain was so indoctrinated to think physically after several decades of, th- you know, being a massage therapist, yeah. thinking very biomechanically, I, it took me a little while to kind of convince it like, no, actually it's okay. We're okay here. That was, so there was a lot of reading and educating myself and then there, which was helping to reprogram my subconscious, right? Oh, I actually am okay. Even though I'm uncomfortable, I'm still Okay. And then there, then I did a fair num- amount of expressive writing in a pretty particular way, which helped me to excavate some things that being a good girl, I typically wouldn't <laughs> acknowledge or express in a way that was safe. And I wasn't dumping it on any of the people that I cared about. Mm-hmm. And then the next step for me was learning um, about neuroplasticity, which was probably one of the more exciting aspects of my experience. And that really helped to kind of take me across the finish line would be the way I would describe it. Yeah. Okay. So let's put a pin in neuroplasticity yeah. for just for a, a second. second. Yeah. I definitely want to, I want to do yeah, yeah. that. I'm just, fa- I'm, I'm still fascinated by this idea that we have this, these three very simple steps. Mm-hmm. Like get educated. Mm-hmm. Let's stop all physical treatments and let's get on living our right. lives. And you had mentioned that you were, and of course, we're going to say that the cause of this pain then is coming. It's it's neural, not physical. Yeah. And you had mentioned that you were living small before this. You had stopped doing a lot of the things that you were living protectively, right? And I, I can see how there's this juxtaposition then between mm-hmm. 
this very careful mm-hmm. way that, of course, and what are you, you're, you're wiring this new, these new neural pathways, absolutely. I suppose, if that's the correct way to say it. It is. It's absolutely that, right? the right way to say you're, it. You're like, yeah, you're laying down this new, these new neural networks, yes. I suppose, that are this very protective, fearful way of living. Mm-hmm. And here comes somebody that says, Hey, well, just stop mm-hmm. doing that. Right. What does that look and, like? Right. <laughs> what does that look like? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's, let's pull this yeah, apart a yeah. little bit. You, ha- yeah, you'd mentioned neuroplasticity. What the heck is that? Is it what it sounds like? And how specifically do we then apply mm-hmm. this outside of just go live your life? Like, you right. Know, no, I absolutely. Right? And I, you know, Dr. Cerner was a master of making things simple. Hmm. I, I don't think for most people, it's as simple as that. I think there's, there's a certain amount of soothing that we need to learn to do as we start to take steps forward into a fuller version of our lives, which was definitely the case for me. And I, you know, there are accounts of people that kind of took that advice to heart and just said, I'm going to go out and start doing all the things, even if I'm in pain and I'm just going to basically teach my body and my brain that I'm okay the hard way. And I don't think that's the right or the better way for most people to do it. I think doing it more of in a conditioned graded way is more sensible. (laughs) Um, But the stories of people who have done it that way are incredibly compelling. Right. And, And a lot of these folks were people that they were suicidal, Kevin, right? Like they had been through so much pain for so long and no one was able to give them an answer. They felt they had nothing to lose. So that wasn't where I was, although I, you know, my state, my mental state was not good at one point in time there, but the neuroplasticity part of this, and this is where it's so powerful because, you know, I went from having neural, neural pathways around, I'm strong and I'm capable and I'm fit and I'm active and I'm vital to now I had neural pathways around. I'm not capable. I'm not strong. I'm broken. I don't, I'm, there's something wrong with me. So in order to move back and, you know, swing the pendulum back in the other direction, I had to unlearn some of this stuff that I had learned and yeah. we're capable are like the neural, what neuroplasticity actually means is that our brains are plastic, that they're capable of learning and adapting and changing well past what we have been conditioned to believe around that, which is good news. Like it's such good news. Yeah. So yeah, I was able to use this newfound, these techniques and my understanding of neuroplasticity to rewire some of those neural pathways that told me that I wasn't strong and I wasn't capable and that this was what my life was going to look like, right? I was able to use these processes to help rewire that on a neurological level, which when you rewire it neurologically, like your beliefs start to change, you know, your cyclical thought patterns start to change, which all has a hugely impactful effect on your actual state, on your emotional state, right? And your nervous system state, you come out of that fight or flight place or freeze in my case, because I was kind of diving in and out of all of those at times into a better emotional state, right? You have more energy, you feel more optimistic, you're starting to spend a little more time thinking about, well, rather than how are all the ways that this day is going to (laughs) suck, how could this day be great? Like there's this profound shift that happens in, in both your beliefs and the way that you think from a moment to moment basis. 
And every thought that we think creates a corresponding chemical reaction in the body. So if we're thinking stressful thoughts, then we are producing stress chemicals that line up with those thoughts. So it's like you get on this, this merry-go-round that's just going faster yeah. and faster. And if you can't find some way to interrupt that and turn it the other way, it's hard to get off. Sure. That's a vicious, that's a vicious cycle, it right? Is. That chronic stress or chronic yes. pain. And we know that chronic stress is just horrible for our physical health as well as our emotional yes. health. And that's, yeah, that's a, that's a downward yes. spiral. Now you're talking about rewiring mm -hmm. your brain and the plasticity mm -hmm. here and learning new behaviors, new ways of mm -hmm. thinking and viewing the world. You had mentioned journaling. Aside from that, what are some practical things that one might do? Right. Cause it's, it's so simple and concept. I imagine it might not be so simple in application. No, it's though. definitely that something that I, I was able to start that process myself, Kevin, educating myself, learning how it works, starting to express some of these difficult emotions through that journaling. Ultimately, I, I, I had to get, and I think for most people, if they want to take this on sort of as a project, take themselves on it as a project, it's super helpful to have someone who knows how to use those modalities to help you, which I, I did, right? I invested in training. I, I, did, I did sessions with practitioners to help me rewire some of the bigger stuff. But I think the first step, Kevin, is we just have to first, yeah, like I said, understand how this works, that if you are experiencing chronic pain, you always want to rule out any of your sort of life-threatening things, right? Like we don't want to just assume if I'm having severe chest pain, I don't want to assume this is just a mind body thing. I'm going to go to the ER and get checked right. out. What most of the, the doctors that do this work will say is, you know, rule out cancer, rule out the big stuff. And then if you've ruled that out, then you're pretty safe. And, you know, really, what have you got to lose? But to assume that there's some measure of this being a mind body manifestation and approach it from that angle, because you're only going to improve your situation by cleaning up your emotional state and understanding how your mind and your body work together. So there's all of that. But then I think on a practical level, what we're really talking about here is the first step is awareness, right? Like after you understand how this works, becoming more aware on a daily basis, what on an hourly basis, what I'll often suggest to my clients at the beginning of working together is why don't you settle an alarm on your phone or on whatever it is you use to maybe every couple of hours, just drop in and ask yourself, you know, what nervous system state am I in right now? Hmm. Like, are my shoulders up around my ears? Am I clenching my jaw? Is my stomach all in knots? And if you find yourself in that sort of dysregulated, sympathetic stress nervous system state, then there's simple things that you can do to help bring you back into a better state. Now, that's something we can all do once an hour, once every couple of hours. What state am I in right now? And even myself, Kevin, with the level of awareness that I have around this, occasionally, you know, I'll be going out to the car to get, get you know, my briefcase and going to work. And I'll notice that my shoulders are up around my ears. Yeah. I'm like, Patty, what the, why? Why? Right. <laughs> right? It's just a pattern. Yeah. It's that I need to get yeah. going. I'm going to be late. And then her body takes on that, that physical presentation. It does. And that just creates yeah. pain. So the basic simple thing we can do is just become, first of all, become more aware. What state am I in right now? Right. And then. Oh, I, I absolutely love that. Yeah, yeah. That's how we, we can't change what we're not aware of. 
So that's the first step. And then after you become aware, and it can be very interesting because you don't realize how much of your day you're actually either, you know, you're bracing or you're feeling anxious or you're rushing or, you know, there's just a lot of pressure in the state that you're in. So that once you realize it, you can go, okay, I think maybe it's time for me to take some action around bringing myself into a better sort of default nervous system state. And that's where it gets really interesting because there's so many cool ways (laughs) that we can do that, that we can learn to do that, which is, that's kind of what I do with my clients. It's what I teach in the coaching program that I'm a part of. And the really cool thing, Kevin, is it's not a one size fits all approach, right? Right. Not everyone is going to respond like everything in life to every technique the same way. So we've spent a lot of time, myself and my two partners, you know, the last decade trying to get ourselves well. And we kind of said, let's let's take all the stuff that we've learned and save people all of that time and energy trying to unpack and figure this out and put it all in one place, which is really what we've done. But yeah, learn how it works. And then start becoming more aware. Yeah, I I think that that's a really good point. I'm a pretty high strong person right? myself. I can 100 yeah, percent yeah, relate to what yeah. you're saying. I I do have check ins with myself continuously, and I quite often find myself I'm like, uh-huh. my eyes are <laughs> I'm just rah, 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 right with that cortisol yes, junkie. Yes. But I think our modern, you know, it's exacerbated by our culture and our society. Absolutely. Our modern culture really idolizes that go 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 mm-hmm. go get them that busy culture. And that's a lot of that is, it's just not serving us well, right? It's putting us in that. It's not sustainable, Kevin, right? It's not sustainable. Like if you're living off of stress hormones, which is what a startlingly high percentage of the folks in the Western world are doing, Mm -hmm. they're living off of adrenaline and cortisol. I, you know, guilty as charged. Like I'm not so much like that anymore, but I realized Actually, it's pretty interesting. About a year ago, I was in a coaching session with a client and I was teaching some of this and I just had this awareness pop in like, holy crap, Patty, you've lived your whole life off of adrenaline. As I was teaching this other person, I had this another level of awareness come in like, hello, sister, like take your own advice. Mm -hmm. It's so common. It's so common and it's not sustainable. And for most of us, if we don't kind of learn how it works and learn to work with it. Ultimately, it will show up in the form of some sort of health crisis because it's just not sustainable. Yeah. Right. 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 A hundred percent with you. It's an uncomfortable truth. It's an uncomfortable truth. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's one that affects, like you said, I, I think most of us to some degree or another, you don't meet many Zen masters in Western culture these days, people who are living in this very joyful, relaxed state. And I, it seems to me that what you're doing when it comes to chronic pain or, or chronic mm-hmm. stress. And I, I, I well, you know what? They're kind of they're the, very they interrelated. Are. They, they very very certainly are. are. Yeah. 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 This conversation certainly pulling that out, but you had mentioned 
I think earlier you had talked about you had sought all these different modalities mm-hmm. to manage the mm-hmm. pain, right? Okay, yeah. so I get a cortisol shot, I get an adjustment, but that's not really resolving or treating in any long-term no. way. So it's this step back and this much more, I guess, complex and nuanced look at what's mm-hmm. going on, this whole body as a whole mm-hmm. system. And I, I, I love how you approach that. But it brings me to my next question. Yeah. What is the role or is there a role in this for, let's say, exercise, strengthening? Oh, yeah. yeah. Or <clears throat> where, where does that fit in? Or yeah, it? it absolutely does. I mean, <clears throat> as you know, with what you do for a living, right, where your expertise is, exercise is a critically important part of being healthy, generally. So, and Dr. Sarno was all about, you know, as soon as you figure this out, get out there and start hitting the gym, go for a run, like move your body. Okay. Yeah. And I am totally of that mind. And we support a hundred percent support of that in our coaching program as well. I think, but I think the fair question maybe to ask around that. And what I've had to ask myself is, you know, what is the intention behind this, the exercise that I'm engaging in? I'll give you an example. So probably about six months ago, I have, as I mentioned earlier, I have a whole bunch of animals at my house. I'm a huge animal lover. I have three dogs, young dog that we just rescued, very high energy, not going for a walk every day, not an option. So I'm out walking in, we live in the country, lots of beautiful places to walk and I'm walking down the road and I'm just giving her, right? I'm clipping right along. Oh, my heart rate, you know, get, get my steps in all of this validity to all of that. However, it's a beautiful night and I kind of had this moment where I thought, Patty, would it be okay for you to be out and moving your body and enjoying moving your body, appreciating the fact that you can move your body after years of feeling like you couldn't and at the same time, taking the time to stop and notice your environment and be present right? Notice the sun, the color in the sky as the sun's going down. Let the dog stop and sniff the ground instead of, no, no, let's keep going. Let's keep going. We got to keep moving. Like, I think, (laughs) you see what I'm getting at? Like our intention behind what we're doing it, what we're doing in regards to everything, including exercise, I think can be really impactful. You know, am I doing this just like when you think about the whole weight loss community, there's so much drive around. I got to do this to burn calories and I got to do this to, you know, get my heart rate in this zone. And I got to, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of that, but that is all being driven by this inherent belief that I'm not okay the way I am. I'm not good enough the way I am. So I need to do all of this in some way to improve myself, but also maybe subconsciously to punish myself for the fact that I'm not good enough the way I am. So... Once again, the awareness, why am I doing what I'm doing? Can it be about more than just pounding the pavement and lifting the weight? Right. Right. Do it. I guess what we're talking about, Kevin, is doing a little bit more mindfully. A little more mindfully or yeah, I would be a proponent of a lot. more. Yeah. Yeah. You're a hundred percent right. We, you know, we work the majority, the vast majority of our clients come to us for weight loss. Right. And you're 100% right. When we start to uncover that and providing the person's willing to be vulnerable with us, it's usually from a place of insecurity, very often from a place of self-loathing, self-disgust. And 
and it's these expectations and they're, they're making that change from that place. They're, they're uncomfortable where they are for whatever yes. reason. And while that's often a very powerful Absolutely. motivator to start a fitness journey, it's not a, it, that's not going to sustain you no. for the rest of your life. What you're talking about is making change from a place of self-love and awareness from treating your body as a sacred vessel where you want to. Right to take the best care of it that you possibly can. Right. right. As opposed to, yeah, this is, you know, I need to get these steps in for punishment for the ice cream. I <laughs> right. Had after dinner or something yeah, like yeah. that, which uh, it's not sustainable. Kevin. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And, and right. so many, right. and I see this with my clients in so many patterns of their lives, including weight loss. If it's being driven by, I'm not good enough the way I am. And you don't do any work to kind of emotional work to kind of clean that up and rewire that belief system, then I can pretty much guarantee you that as soon as you take your gas off your foot off the gas pedal, you're going to end up right back where you, and I'm sure you've seen that too, 100%. or worse. I think everybody's seen mm. that. Let's just look at diet exactly. culture, right? When we go on a diet, we're by definition doing something kind of that we don't right. like. It's not fun. We do it for a while and we do it. You know, we use grit and determination, mm -hmm. willpower or motivation, whatever it is, to get us through this one, two, three, right. six months, whatever right. it is. And then we're like, oh, thank God that horrible ordeal is over <laughs> and it's not hard to figure out what happened. Right, next, right, right, right. It's uh, so common. We're going to – it's so common. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, Patty, I wanted to – as we're kind of wrapping yeah. up here, I think I read on your website about the role of happiness or joy mm -hmm. in this – in this journey, let's we've we've touched on this a little bit, but what is the role in in increasing our happiness, specifically when it comes to managing managing stress? And I think now we can see that that would have a role in managing chronic mm -hmm. pain as well. Mm -hmm. Well, like when we are like we've already talked about, Kevin, when we are focusing on things, which is going to necessarily mean we're thinking about things in a certain way. And therefore producing chemicals that line up with those thoughts. If we are focusing on things that feel good to us, that bring more joy and more optimism and more, maybe even more excitement into our lives, then we are, we are flooding our body with the chemicals that line up with that. Right. Very, yeah. you know, not pro-inflammatory chemicals, anti-inflammatory chemicals. So we're doing beautiful things to our health by doing that. And, you know, I think on a greater level, like if we only have, you know, and if, if you're if most of your audience is the over 50 crowd, we know at this point, Kevin, that the road in front of us is likely shorter than the one behind us. Yeah. So that being the case, <clears throat> even if I can't control 99.9% .9 of the things that are happening outside of me, which let's be honest, that's the case. How can I make the most out of the time that I have? What do I need to focus on? Which ultimately goes back to stepping off of the stress train, right? Getting off that merry-go-round more and more consciously and deliberately choosing what we want to focus on. That's been, I think, you know, with what's happened here in the, in, around the world here in the last three or four years with the pandemic, it's been such an exercise in this, right? Because there's mm -hmm. so many things, obviously, that are way beyond our control, and if we focus on those things and argue with them and try to fight against them, it doesn't change it. But what it does do is make us feel bad. 
Right. So even and there's a physiological absolutely it does of that as it well. does. So yeah. even recognizing that, you know, one of my favorite spiritual teachers is a fellow by the name of Michael Singer. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but he he talks about this idea that you know we drop into these bodies for most of us for 80 plus or minus years, and we have this time between our birth and our death, and we have to fill it with something. Right. And in the bigger scheme of things, that's not even a tiny grain of sand on a huge beach. So can we really like what we're talking about here is get out of our stress response, out of our chronic stress response into a calmer state where we can choose what we're putting our focus on and create our lives, build our lives out of that conscious choice rather than staying in that default nervous system state and just running on adrenaline and cortisol all day, every day with all of the, you know, obvious physical mood health impacts right. that that's going to yeah. create over the long term. So, yeah, I think, help, you know, actively seeking more joy, actively choosing to be a little bit more childlike, right? Which I know for a lot of us, you know, life is serious, right? Yeah. What if we could just kind of choose, you know, I'm going to, Today, I'm going to look for ways to be a little bit more childlike and, and use my imagination to imagine what I would love to have more of in my life as opposed to using it to worrying about everything. Because that is the way most of us use our imaginations. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's awareness no, and refocusing. That. Yeah. I, I, that's what I really wanted to pull out. We, I think we know that there are obviously detriments to our, our mental health, our emotional health, our physical health with this, with this chronic stress state, but there are physiological benefits to the opposite. Oh, absolutely. Seeking joy, seeking out happiness. And I love that. I love the way you say it to let's look for opportunities to be more childlike. Right. And, you know, those of us over 50, we've, we've, that's part of why we're aging. Right. It's not so much a biological right. process. It's because we lose this, this usefulness, this childlike yes. wonder and, and joy of this beautiful life all around mm -hmm. us. Uh, abs absolutely love that. And there is, there's health benefits to that as, as well. So many reasons uh, so. to do it. So many and reasons. And really yeah. no reasons not to do it. Well, yeah, there's no reasons not to do it, but it's just, it's difficult, I think, because our, just the times we absolutely. live in, our culture, our society, we have all this crazy political division right now here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. We've, like you said, we've, we've all gone through this, this very upsetting COVID environment yep. and We've, you know, there's a 24 seven news cycle and there's all the comparison problems Absolutely. with all the social yes. media. And there's all these, it's so easy to get sucked into this negativity, this stress, this fight or flight, constant chronic mm -hmm. stress state Agreed. that it really takes, it takes work, doesn't it? It takes conscious, conscious, deliberate to get away from conscious, that. Yeah. deliberate choices and decisions to mm -hmm. disengage from things that are no longer serving you really is what we're talking about. I mean, yeah. I, our, our home is a no news zone. It has been for the better part of 20 years because I recognized early on doesn't good do anything you. good for that, me. You, you were, you're a pioneer <laughs> there if you were that long ago. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I started to realize the impact it was having on me pretty early on. So, and right. we've held fast to that. And I think it's been a really positive choice for us. But yeah, the social media, the, you know, walking around with a computer in our pockets and on, on mm -hmm. basically available 24 seven, our brains were not designed to be able to deal with right. the level of sensory stimulation that we have on a daily basis. Right. The, 
the our brains have not evolved at the same rate that the technology has. So if we want to be well, we have to be willing to really kind of question some of our habits around that and make some different choices. And, you know, that's where, once again, neuroplasticity work can be super helpful because it can help you break those habits and those patterns more easily than sort of white knuckling it. Yeah. Right. White knuckling is going to be a, a tough way to <laughs> It is. To yeah, yeah. 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 It is. I, I've tried that in multiple areas of my life. It's and not I, much fun. It always ended so well for me. No, no. It doesn't, doesn't usually no, end well either. No. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, Patty, let me ask you this. What's next for you? What's on the horizon? What are you excited about in the next year or so? Oh, I'm excited about a lot of things, Kevin. I'm excited. Like I mentioned to you earlier, I'm part of a group coaching program that myself and two of my brain training colleagues have been working on for two years. So we launched that at the end of last year and we're just now kind of getting into the marketing of it and really excited about what's happening within that. So I'm excited to continue to work on that. And I also, you know, I have a one-on-one coaching practice that I'm excited to keep building. And, uh, you know, I have so much fun working with my clients and we get such great results that I, I look forward to more of that, you know, and learning more that I can bring to all of that to help people even more. Yeah. So there's lots, lots of hoping for more travel, more fun, more adventures and seeing some new places that I've wanted to see for a long time that obviously the last three or four years made it pretty much impossible. So yeah, looking forward to all of that. More adventure, more, more adventure. fun. Yeah, you don't done living small, right. right? Yeah, did that for a while, yeah. and yeah, I want, like I said, I want to make the best use of the time that I have between now and whenever you know, whenever that happens, I want to maximize right it. Right on. Absolutely <laughs> love it. All right. Well, Patty, how can people connect with you? How can they learn more if they're interested in working sure. with you? Where do you want to send? Well, so my personal website is just pattynorris.com. Pretty simple. So that tells you a little bit about who I am and my coaching practice and gives you a bit better understanding of what that would look like. And then the group coaching program that I'm excited to be a part of is you can find that at getwiredforwellness.com. Yeah. Got it. All right. And folks, I will drop all of that into the show notes along with Patty's social media information. She also mentioned a couple books during our conversation today. I'll make sure I put links mm-hmm. to those in the show notes as yep. well. So Patty, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today, sharing your your message, your knowledge, your wisdom, and your love with us. I love the work you're doing. I encourage you to keep it up and just, yeah, keep making the world a better thank place. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. I really enjoyed it. Okay, that's our show for today, folks. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I want to let you know that we have other free resources over at silveredgefree.com. There you'll find our free guides with our top tips on nutrition, exercise, and healthy lifestyle to assist you in your weight loss and fitness journey. So feel free to head over there and download anything that looks useful to you. I'll put links to everything we talked about in the show notes, and you guys can find those over at silveredgefitness.com slash 226. As we wrap up our time together today, you can show your support for this show in two important ways. The first is to tell a friend about this podcast and encourage them to give it a listen. The second is for you YouTube folks to click the like and subscribe buttons and for you podcast folks to consider giving this podcast a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on and be sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future episodes. 
I really appreciate you spending your time with me today. And until next time, stay strong. 